Betches Media presents. Like beer? I don't know if you do. Okay. You like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. Ah! Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? Hello, and welcome to the Betches Sup's Pride Quarantine Edition. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And I am Chris Burns. <laughs> and today, we are going to be talking about LGBTQ history. Let's get into it. Hi, Chris. Hi, Brian. How are you? I am so great. <laughs> it's very exciting while you all are listening to this. Um, the uh, Betches company, the head Betches, I guess I should say, um, made Juneteenth a holiday, and we are actually off right now. So... While you're listening to this, hopefully I am much more in a relaxed state than I currently am. And hopefully Juneteenth will be a holiday for all Mm -hmm. shortly. Um, So, yes, we have a great interview today for um, our episode of Quarantine History. It is with Eric Sawyer. He is a long-term AIDS activist. He's one of the founding members of ACT UP and a co-founder of Housing Works. He also used to work for the United Nations AIDS program. It's really good. It's really informative. Eric was on the front lines during the HIV epidemic and all of the protests that led into it because at the time, you know, it was really hard to get government action and, you know, people to really care because as he puts it, it was known as the disease of queers, junkies, and whores. Um, And so no one really cared. And so he talks about all the action that they had to take to, you know, get people to listen and what life was just like then and, you know, in, like during that epidemic and while we are currently living in a pandemic. It's really great, really interesting. So make sure you stick around. Um, but before we get into that, we have an exciting announcement to talk about. That's right, baby. We have a Pride show coming up live Monday, June 29th at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be interviews, games, performances, uh, you know, and yours truly will be hosting. Yes. And it'll be iconic. So make sure you go to betches.co slash pride because all ticket sales go directly to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. So mm-hmm. one that's 100% doing. of proceeds, people. We're like literally not making a dime. And so it's only $10. What else are you going to do on a Tuesday at 8 p.m.? You should be still inside. Um, we're going to be drinking. It's going to be fun. Um, and just like buy a ticket because <laughs> you're basically just donating to the Marsha B. Johnson Institute as well. Yeah, truly. So if not for us, do it for Marsha. So the thing about this live show is obviously it's virtual, but it's live and it's interactive. So audience members, we're going to be playing some games where you get to participate at home and you can like leave us comments while you are, while we're doing it. And it'll be very fun and interactive. So it's not just like a sit and watch situation either. It's like a sit, drink, watch, play along, etc. It'll be really Roast really us if you want, whatever you want to do. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's betches.co slash pride. I'm sure our amazing podcast producer, Sean, will be putting the link in this description. And will um, be joining yeah. us, I'm sure. Because <laughs> what kind yes. of a friend would he be if he didn't? Exactly, exactly. All right, um, so yeah, uh, let's go to our interview with Eric Sawyer. And now we are joined by long-term AIDS activist, Eric Sawyer. Eric, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. 
Um, some of you may uh, not know this, but Eric and I are, are friends. He actually, I actually used to live in Eric's home. That's true. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I did. Eric was Eric was a great, uh, I think I was a great tenant because I wasn't. Yes, you were. I wasn't really there very much. <laughs> you paid your bills and never were home. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what else could you ask for? Like, that's what I'm looking for in a roommate, not a yeah. tenant. <laughs> what? Actually, yeah. we're just not having you there, but anyhow. Yeah. All right, Eric. Well, so, Eric, you are one of the founding members of ACT UP. Uh, just before we get into it, can you just tell us what ACT UP is and when it started? Sure. Um, ACT UP it stands for the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. It's uh, one of the premier AIDS activist organizations in the country. Um, it was started in New York uh, largely after the uh, call to arms speech that Larry Kramer gave at the LGBT Center in New York City on 13th Street, where he called for a civil disobedience organization like the Civil Rights Movement to um, do protests to try to force the government uh, and drug companies to start doing research to find uh, a cure for uh, AIDS, which was, you know, killing thousands of members of the LGBT community. Um, Larry had hoped to start um, an activist movement when he helped to start GMHC, the Gay Men's Health Crisis, in 1981, but that organization quickly uh, was taken over by a bunch of board members that were very conservative and closeted and they wanted only to provide services like um, uh, a helpline um, or a uh, buddy system to help people die uh, quietly, unfortunately. And uh, they ended up throwing Larry out of the organization he founded for trying to be disruptive and challenging Mayor Koch at the time and other governmental officials to try to do more. So he set out to form this group with the intent to, um, you know, act up to, you know, disrupt the way that life was happening. So there'd be no more business as usual. So there'd be pressure on society, on government, on drug companies to try to save our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, that was in 1987, March of 1987. We had our first demonstration, which was on the corner of Broadway and uh, Wall Street, near the Wall Street headquarters in front of Trinity Church, where uh, we hung, for example, uh, Frank Young, the head of the Federal Drug Administration that approves drugs, effigy from a light pole. Um, and we uh, had several members uh, arrested blocking traffic at that intersection. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, so you mentioned like back then, like 1981 is when he first started. Um, but when did you, when, when did you first start to notice that something was happening within the gay community? Like when people were getting sick and stuff? Well, um, the knowledge that I first had of, um, HIV, well, actually AIDS at that time, the HIV virus had not been discovered, but AIDS impacting gay men uh, was when um, I started uh, reading articles that uh, Larry Kramer, a really good friend of mine, and Larry Massey, uh, Larry Mass, rather, um, a, a gay doctor, were writing uh, for the New York Native, which was a gay 
uh, New York City-based newspaper talking about uh, gay men coming down with Kaposi's sarcoma, an AIDS-related uh, cancer, and cases of uh, an AIDS-related re- uh, pneumonia, um, PCP uh, pneumonia, uh, which was killing gay men, which couldn't be treated by normal uh, antibiotics and treatments uh, for HIV. And that immediately kind of created a uh, quiet, um, basically panic within the gay community. Uh, There was lots of misinformation about how this illness might be spread, what was causing it. Was it the use of poppers? Was it anal sex? Was it um, frequent sexual partners? Nobody really knew how it was spread. And so everyone uh, was absolutely horrified and and um, anyone who came down with the illness were really stigmatized because everyone was afraid they would get this disease. They didn't know if it was casual contact, if it was, you know, spread by, uh, you know, breath in in the air. Um, And so there was huge discrimination uh, with people getting fired from their jobs, evicted from their apartments, uh, people's partners throwing them out, um, people's families abandoning them, medical facilities not treating them. It, it, It was a horrid time. Were government agencies doing anything? Like, how long until the government really caught on to what was happening? Well, the you know the um, irony of uh, the situation was that you know there were some things put in place by the federal government to try to help people in dire need. There were things like food stamps, uh, welfare, as it was called at the time. At that time, now it's called inf- income maintenance. But you know. Uh, cash stipends to people who are not working and in, in dire need. Um, there were transportation allowances um, and Medicaid cards um, available to uh, people who were uh, disabled um, or you know living in absolute poverty. But ironically, uh, gay men coming down with AIDS uh, couldn't access any of those programs uh, because. You had to live in poverty for um, a, a certain period of time, around two years, I believe, and you um, died of AIDS within six to 12 months of a diagnosis. And so nobody lived long enough to have access to the safety net uh, that was supposed to help sick and dying people. And so that was another uh, one of the demands that ACT UP championed was uh, changes to the eligibility rules that made people um, able to access the safety net for sick and dying people. Mm-hmm. And you were saying before that um, it was it seemed mostly to be only affecting um, intravenous drug users and gay men, so it was harder to get people to care at first? Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, one of the problems why society and the government didn't care uh, was the people who were uh, getting sick of AIDS. Uh, initially, it was only reported in gay men. Um, after a you know, short period of time, you know, nine months, a year, um, there were cases being reported uh, within intravenous drug users, uh, then sex workers. And so, um, it became known as the disease of junkies, queers, and whores. And, 
you know, those are people on the bottom rung of the totem pole of society. Uh, and even Ronald Reagan, when he was asked in a cabinet meeting, shouldn't we do something about all these people dying of AIDS, uh, responded uh, with a laugh saying, why aren't all the right people dying? <laughs> um, and so, you know, because junkies here, queers and, and whores were the primary uh, people succumbing to AIDS. Um, the government didn't care. Drug companies uh, certainly didn't think there was a market because who'd pay for drugs for those, those people? Uh, and the general population didn't think it would impact them because they weren't a drunkie, a queer, or a whore. And so there was no sense of urgency or uh, no real interest in um, investing in um, cures for AIDS, seeking treatments, or even um, you know providing uh, services like a safe place to live or a medical card, food stamps for, for those uh, junkies, queers, and whores. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So now we're, we're it's Pride it's Pride Month, and um, obviously we're not experiencing Pride in a similar way we have uh, for a few years, many years. Um, what was it like? during Pride? What was Pride like during this time? Well, um, 
early on, the, the, the uh, Christopher Street Liberation March, the first uh, Pride March, um, was very much focused on gay rights for um, the LGBTQ community. Uh, but over time, um, the Pride March, you know, kind of morphed into more of a celebration of uh, being gay. And so um, there were uh, certainly more issue-related contingents and messaging in Gay Pride in 1981. Uh, but there, uh, you know, was this kind of shame um, about um, AIDS, uh, you know, early on. And so, you know, there was very little uh, mention of or recognition uh, of AIDS uh, early on until uh, about the third or fourth year, like, um, you know, 84, 85, when uh, the People with AIDS Coalition uh, and other uh, support organizations for people with AIDS started to get formed and those organizations um, came forward with uh, the uh, what are called the Denver Principles. It's basically a bill of rights for uh, gay, uh, uh, well, pr primarily for people living with AIDS uh, that basically have later become the bill of rights for people um, seeking medical care, especially being in hospitals. The bill of rights you're given if you are admitted to a hospital, you know, kind of come out of the, um, uh, the Denver principles. But um, those principles, you know, encouraged people to come out uh, with the fact that they had AIDS under the belief that if everybody who had AIDS came out, many, many people in the world uh, uh, would know somebody who had AIDS and therefore care about it mm -hmm. and have a more favorable response and help advocate for uh, programs and treatments and, and uh, interventions to help people with AIDS. And so, um, you know, slowly around, uh, you know, the, the mid 80s, uh, there became a movement to have visibility for AIDS and ACT UP uh, was founded in 87 that basically took that a step far, farther and said, um, you know, we are going to turn our anger uh, and, and our grief, our anger over society's lack of response and our grief over the death of uh, many of our loved ones and our anger over society and the governments and drug companies' unwillingness to help us uh, and, and turn that grief and anger into action. And so um, the first uh, ACT UP demonstration um, at a Pride uh, March was in 1987. Uh, and at that time, um, many states, including New York State, were um, considering mandatory testing of all gay people uh, and trans people um, and um, setting up quarantine camps literally quarantine camps um, to isolate uh, people living uh, with HIV because I, by then there was a, a test for HIV that, that would you know, show um, you had the virus that caused AIDS, um, uh, that you know, people would be quarantined um, for, for um, HIV so they couldn't spread it to the population. And so we set up a concentration camp float on the back of a U-Haul rental um, truck and we, you know, had like a, a guard station uh, and the truck surrounded by razor wire fence and 
Um, we had guards outside, you know, carrying uh, toy guns and, you know, wearing yellow gloves all the way up to the elbow, cleaning gloves, which is what the police were wearing when they were arresting us in protests. We're literally mm. like rubber gloves up to their uh, elbows uh, and masks. And um, I was actually dressed as Ronald Reagan in a suit sitting on the uh, cab of this um, truck, you know, with a Ronald Reagan, Reagan uh, mask on pointing to and laughing at the queers uh, who were in the back, uh, you know, carrying signs that said things like test drugs, not people. Um, <laughs> and uh, trying to get you know, the message out that, you know, we didn't need uh, mandatory testing to quarantine junkies, queers, and whore. We needed people to test drugs to uh, try to save our lives. So obviously we're in the middle of a, a pandemic of a different sort. Um, so what do you think that there's any similarities between then and now? Um, what, like, what is different? What was it like seeking medical treatment then? Well, you know, there's, there are similarities, but there are also um, major differences. Um, you know, the similarity is that, you know, we're living in a pandemic with a horrible, deadly virus that's killing people. And, you know, some people are getting infected um, by uh, the spread of non-symptomatic uh, carriers of the virus. And, you know, not much, you know, was known about uh, COVID when it first came out, just like nothing was known about HIV. We didn't know what caused it, how it was spread, how if you had it, you could prevent giving it to your loved ones. Um, you know, there were no treatments, um, there were no vaccine, uh, and many people, you know, died of AIDS. And, and actually, AIDS was a much more deadly virus uh, than is COVID. Um, a far higher percentage of people died. I mean, 100% of people who came down with AIDS died uh, in the first 15 years, uh, but it was a much longer um, arc to um, initial symptoms and death. Uh, early on, it was like a year to a year and a half, but as you know, treatments for opportunistic infections came along, it became years. Um, uh, and um, you know, it wasn't until we developed the triple cocktail that effectively controlled the virus that people could live a normal life. But um, because junkies, queers, and whores were the primary people getting it through uh, sharing needles, uh, through um, blood products, uh, like hemophiliacs also got it, uh, or through sexual uh, intercourse, um, uh, the general population didn't feel they were at danger of getting it. And with COVID, um, you know, it doesn't discriminate at all. It's airborne. Um, uh, and so lots of people are getting it. And so the hysteria actually uh, translated to, um, and the, uh, the way that it's infectious translated to far more uh, concerned by the government, by drug companies, by healthcare providers, by insurance companies, by, uh, you know, everyone in the general population. And so it's triggered this, you know, really effective societal response where people are all like, you know, wearing masks and socially distancing and staying at home and, uh, you know, uh, honoring the self-quarantine um, guidelines being uh, given by uh, medical professionals and public health uh, professionals. So, you know, that's a huge dif 
difference. You know, there's massive amounts of money being poured into uh, COVID re research right now. And, um, you know, with society responding in the way that it has, um, you know, the virus is coming, you know, under control much more quickly than HIV did. But unfortunately, uh, it's still massively out of control and tens of thousands of, of people are getting infected every month. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I know and we're also look, seeing a, a mass protests right now too um, with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, do you see any parallels between how ACT UP was coming up and how Black Lives Matter is working? Well, I, you know, I think the Black Lives Matter protests um, are a, a great example about how public protests, public unrest, about the public speaking truth to power um, are really effective in uh, changing people's opinion and um, changing the media's attention or, or getting the media's attention and changing the media's um, coverage of uh, issues like racial justice and police violence and changing governmental op opinion. Um, the, you know, the fact that the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and the horrific death of George Floyd uh, that was, you know, so egregiously um, evident through the videotaping uh, of his, um, you know, purposeful murder uh, by that police officer, uh, you know, has really spurred a huge outcry and a, a you know, a massive um, protest movement around the world that's going to impact change. Um, you know, ACT UP succeeded in changing public opinion and getting the government's attention and forcing changes to government policy through its portrait, you know, its protests. But our protests were small. You know, there, there were at its height 115 ACT UP chapters around the world, uh, but those chapters were a few hundred people and doing, you know, a few protests of, uh, you know, a hundred people, a couple of hundred people uh, at its height. And, you know, we used um, kind of public street theater and, you know, did things like, you know, created homeless um, HIV housing uh, programs or houses uh, in the streets by, you know, collecting furniture and chaining ourselves to furniture in front of, uh, you know, government buildings, uh, you know, demanding medically appropriate housing. And it was the kind of creativity in the street theater and the in-your-face fa in uh, actions of us that got government attention. But it took 10 years or more to really impact change. You mm -hmm. know, this movement and that, that um, you know, just egregious video uh, has captured the attention of you know, millions and millions of people around the world and millions and millions of people are in the streets demanding change. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. 
Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So why do you think it's so important for younger generations, especially within the LGBTQ community, to understand what happened during the AIDS epidemic and do you think that they do generally? Um, you know, I really don't think that younger generations, especially of, you know, gay um, men, uh, you know, know what it was like for um, those of us living with AIDS in the early days of the epidemic. Um, you know, the advances that we've made and, and you know, attaining uh, not only treatments to allow people uh, with AIDS to live, you know, relatively normal lives uh, and normally relatively healthy lives uh, has changed the fear of HIV. And a lot of people think, oh, what's the big deal if I get it? Um, I can just take a pill uh, in the morning and I'll be fine. And now with the advent of PrEP, um, you know, people don't really worry about getting it because they're like, I take a pill in the morning, so I'm not going to get it. And they don't realize the uh, discrimination, you know, where we were, you know, literally not um, uh, admitted into hospitals or, or doctors wouldn't treat us or funeral homes wouldn't, wouldn't embalm our bodies. And, and you know, uh, young gay men don't know that and they don't know how stigmatized uh, we were. Um, young gay men of color and young trans uh, people, I think, recognize it much more than do 
uh, gay men, especially, uh, you know, middle class and upper class gay men, uh, because they experience a level of uh, discrimination um, and uh, prejudice and uh, mistreatment uh, simply because they're people of color or because they're trans. And, and I think it's more in their wheelhouse and they're more aware than, uh, you know, your kind of privileged middle and upper class yeah. uh, gay men. And I think it's, I think it is uh, in a way unfortunate that um, all gay and lesbian people don't know that history um, because I think it makes you, you know, really um, aware of uh, societal uh, injustice, of social injustice, of economic injustice, of, you know, the injustices of the legal system. And um, I think that, you know, everyone has a responsibility uh, to try to improve uh, the position of every other person living in this planet, uh, because every life matters. Uh, and, you know, every life deserves uh, their human rights protected. And those human rights, you know, include um, the right to, uh, you know, medically uh, appropriate housing, to medical care, to food security, to clean water, uh, to income security. Um, and uh, everyone has a responsibility, especially those in economic privilege, in trying to um, bring up uh, the average uh, for uh, people in this world. And I think that um, if LGBT people, you know, all knew the level of um, horror that those of us living with AIDS and even LGBT people by association uh, lived in the uh, 80s and early 90s, um, there would be even more um, activism and social justice work uh, within the um, white privileged LGBT community. That was great. Yeah. Before we wrap up, if people want to get involved in ACT UP or donate, what steps should they take? Well, ACT UP New York has a website, um, uh, actupnewyork.org. Um, ACT UP New York still meets uh, every Monday night at seven o'clock at the LGBT Center on West 13th Street. Uh, they have a number of campaigns that they're working on right now, but one of the most um, uh, impactful one is the Prep for All campaign that uh, is participating in a lawsuit against Gilead, uh, the pharmaceutical um, uh, company that manufactures Trivada and Discovi, the two drugs that are approved for um, uh, PrEP, which is uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's the one pill a day that keeps you from getting infected with HIV. And that drug is overpriced. And um, the patents that Gilead has on that drug prevent it from being produced generically at pennies on the dollar. Um, and uh, prevent the free distribution of generic versions of PrEP around the world. And, um, you know, there have been a number of demonstrations by the PrEP for All campaign uh, that ACT UP has helped to organize and, and be part of. Um, they're doing a lot of work on uh, trans issues, on Black Lives Matters issues, um, and uh, on um, 
you know, just social justice uh, for the LGBT community, a special focus uh, on uh, people of color and uh, trans people. So, you know, come to that meeting, uh, you know, look at, look for the website, look for the prep for all website. Um, and, uh, you know, there are other great organizations that uh, care for people with HIV. Housing Works is one I helped start that uh, I think is doing heroic work. They opened um, a number of shelters in hotels for uh, homeless people with COVID during this uh, and um, opened uh, their uh, clinics for people with AIDS to homeless people um, uh, during this project. We're giving out free um, personal protective uh, gear in the subways for homeless people. So that's an organization I certainly encourage you uh, to uh, support as well. Um, and Eric, before, you mentioned before that uh, <coughs> you've been arrested protesting. Yes. Uh, how many times? Just so for our <laughs> listeners to know. I, I've literally been protest, arrested doing civil disobedience protests more than a hundred times. <laughs> there was literally a year where Charles King and I had a competition to try to get arrested once <laughs> every week in the year. Uh, you know, it was early on during the Dinkins administration where um, uh, the protests were easier to to um, handle and you weren't put in jail for a long period of time. Um, but uh, Charles actually broke 50 uh, that, that year. I only got to 45. So 45 in one year. Uh, my last protest actually happened in front of the Supreme Court um, uh, the day that the uh, oral, oral arguments on LGBT discrimination uh, that were decided today happened. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were demanding that the court rule on the side of LGBT people in the Supreme Court cases that were announced six to three in favor of the LGBT uh, community today. Uh, this T-shirt I'm wearing was uh, the T-shirt that Housing Works, who helped organize that demonstration, the primary organizers, gave out to all of us who got de demonstrated. So mm -hmm. that's a monumental uh decision yeah and, um perhaps our uh demonstration uh helps sway the judges mm -hmm. i remember watching it on video and be like oh my god <laughs> i could see i could see eric getting arrested <laughs> in the car uh, uh eric thank you uh so much for taking the time to uh speak with us um my pleasure until the end of democracy i'm brian russell smith and i'm chris burns I'm Eric Sawyer. <laughs> this has been the Betches Sup Podcast. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Betches.